Hi there, I'm Lori Hellman, mom to Skylar, my incredible adult son with severe nonverbal autism. My goal when creating the Living the Sky Life podcast five years ago was that the content of each episode brings hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways to each listener. In sharing the many relatable caregiver stories and experiences, I sincerely hope that you never feel like you have to travel your parenting journey alone. If you haven't already, please connect with me through my Facebook page, Welcome to My Life, Skylar's World, or Instagram, Welcome to My Life underscore Lori Hellman. And let's keep the conversation going after each episode airs. If you are enjoying the podcast and are listening on Apple iTunes or Audible, please leave a rating and a written review and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for tuning in and subscribing to season five of Living the Sky Life. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Living the Sky Life. Next up on my Autism Sibling series is Madison Urquiola. Maddie, as she goes by, is 25 years old and currently works as the Assistant Athletics Director for External Operations Sports Communications at her alma mater, Young Harris College. Her brother, Jordan, is 27 years old and has autism. Madison loves spending time with her family, boyfriend, and dog. She enjoys the peace of the North Georgia mountains and every year looks forward to the fall season. So please enjoy my conversation with Maddie. This episode is brought to you by Mia Via Toys, a brand dedicated to creating toys and learning aids for kids with autism and other developmental challenges. My son Skylar has almost every toy from Mia Via, and a few of our favorites are definitely the sensory-weighted plush octopus named Quigley and the plush elephant named Ellie. Heck, my daughter even took the mini Quigley to college. One of the coolest new offerings is the Line and Learn Cars set, which includes 20 cars and a fold-up parking lot. To check out all the incredible products, visit Mia Via Toys, that's M-E-A-V-I-A-T-O-Y-S dot com, and use promo code SKYLIFE15 to receive 15% off your first order. So welcome back to another episode of Living the Sky Life in my sibling series. Um, I have the opportunity to speak with Maddie. Uh, her mom, Shannon, was actually on my marriage episode um, in that series that was prior to this one. Um, and we had so many things to talk about with our kids. And um, Maddie, you and your brother are two years apart, just like my kids. So I was really anxious when... Um, you agreed to be on because I love hearing the perspective of an adult sibling. Um, as we kind of talked before we started recording, you at 15 or even 13, your opinions and your feelings and all of the things about autism and your family and your brother have probably significantly changed in the last 10 years. So um, first of all, welcome to the podcast. And um, I'm excited to, to get into all of this with you. No, of course. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, before we get into autism and, and the conversation uh, goes that direction, tell us a little bit about you. You're 25, you have a career, you you are all in your life. So tell us about that. Yeah, I work as the assistant director of athletics for external operations and sports communications at Young Harris College. That is 
the college that I attended and graduated from in 2021. So this is the start of my third year, um, full-blown going into adulting. I have uh, my own apartment with my boyfriend and a dog that we love. And luckily, um, I'm about 30 minutes away from my mom, who she had mentioned. So it's really nice um, being here and being close to them. I originally grew up in Orlando, Florida. So I have realized in the last seven years that I love the mountains and not the traffic. Um, the Florida, I miss the beach incredibly, but I really enjoy where I'm at right now and getting my foot in the door in college athletics. And that's the career that I'm working to, to grow in um, and kind of follow that path in college athletics. So outside of work, um, if anyone is listening that works or knows anything about college athletics, I don't have much free time. Um, so there's a couple of things I like to do. I like to walk my dog, spend time with my boyfriend and my family. And sometimes I play golf when I can, but like I said, athletics just kind of keeps me busy most of the weekends. And it's one of those jobs where the reward um, is just being able to have those days where it's maybe two o'clock on a Thursday and I'm sitting at a baseball game statting instead of being at an office. So that is the trade. Summers are very kind of lackadaisical as we are out of season in college athletics. And then I don't know any other career field that you can get a two week vacation in the holidays. So that's <laughs> um, a, a big blessing of my job as well. Um, I grew up in Florida. I've played softball my whole life. So I've been kind of thrown into sports. I've started when I was about four years old and played my whole life through high school and into college and then just recently graduated. So that has been the hardest thing in my adult life was kind of figuring out my identity and who I am outside of sports. And I think we may get into this later, but I think Jordan and I's relationship has thrived since I've been done with college because I haven't been busy with competing and really being dialed in. It's more time I get to see my family and spend time with him. And so just in these last three years, I think our relationship has grown tremendously more than it has in the, you know, all the years we spent together as, as kids. So that's been really, really exciting. Oh, I love hearing that. <clears throat> Gives me hope for, for my kids. <laughs> Later, Kendall's only a freshman in college. <laughs> She's just getting started. Yeah. Um, well, it uh, will get better. <laughs> I hope so. Um, well, you guys are two years apart. So Jordan's the older sibling. He's 27 and you're 25, as we said. Um, so obviously it's, it's been a long time since you were little kids, but, um, did, were you guys able to always kind of connect and play together and engage with each other? Or were there periods of time, certain ages where maybe when you were little, you could do that. And then when you were in your teen years, you really couldn't, you didn't have anything in common or you were just too busy. How, how did that kind of transpire your relationship up to now? I will be honest. I was a little bit of um, the instigator as a child. Um, so it was hard for him and I to connect just because I was always involved in sports and Jordan um, didn't play sports or didn't we didn't play with a ball or really do things like that together when we were younger. So my version of giving love to him looking back I would say was kind of messing with him I remember there would just be times when whether I was not teasing him kind of like scaring him around the corner or just doing things to be an instigator 
that was my way of being able to have a relationship with him because Mm -hmm. we really didn't have those brother sister conversations that um, kids that are growing up without autism probably experience at some of those younger ages. So we, we didn't do much together as kids. It was always where he was my brother and I looked after him and the stigma of having a brother with autism wasn't there for me because we had just such a great support group of friends and family that it's not like I ever had to really explain autism. It was, I think my mom did a lot of that for me. And so I didn't really talk about it with my friends. It was just say, Hey, this is my brother, Jordan. He may smile at you. He may flick you off, but we don't care. We're just going to hang out. And Jordan was always there. So all of my friends that I can remember going back, they knew him, but we just weren't able to connect um, on a personal level until my college years, really. Um, So did your mom have to, I know she had a period of time where she was a single mom, because that was what our episode was about when we were talking. Um, Did she have to attend some of your softball stuff? Did she have to kind of pass on a few events for you because she had to be with Jordan or was he able to go to all of your games and all of your activities? So I will say when, when I was very young and I played travel ball, my mom would bring me and Jordan was always, we set him up and he had a chair with one of those like umbrella things that come over because the Florida heat was crazy for yeah. five games all day. And so he would come a lot and just play his games or read a book while we were playing and he would travel with us. Um, and so he was able to come a lot during my high school years. I would either take myself um, or my my dad, he sometimes would do a lot of that stuff where where he would take me if my mom was there with Jordan. Um, so he he came a lot during the younger years, but as he grew older and I was able to sometimes drive myself, mm-hmm. it just, it wasn't one of those things. Like he wasn't there for me. He was there because we needed him to have supervision and either be right. with my mom um, or with me during the games. And so I know he, he is aware that I played softball and I'm sure he remembers going to all the games, but he wasn't like the cheerleader brother on the fence. He was kind of just playing his games or doing his book. Um, but he would come. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, did you mind him being there? It didn't, did it embarrass you? Or were you happy that he was there because that meant your mom could be there too. If he was there. Right. I was very happy that he did get to be a part of my life at softball at such a young age, because I think it allowed me, I I was never embarrassed. I think that's that's one of the things I learned just as a kid is that even today I laugh because I am sometimes the least judgmental person, even in situations where maybe I should be a little judgmental or hesitant to, you know, build a relationship with someone. I have never been that way because of Jordan. I've always been very empathetic and non-judgmental and forgiving just because of having a brother with autism. I think it taught me those qualities at such a young age that it's funny because I can now see those characteristics transition into my adult years and adult relationships. And so it was never um, an embarrassment. And I think it allowed my friends and our family friends to for it to be normalized where 
Jordan is just Jordan and he comes with us and this is who he is. And we were just never ashamed or felt like we had to keep him away from that life. It was more so just kind of having those tough conversations with friends or families when things would happen. And it's like, maybe it made one uncomfortable and you'd have to just have that conversation where because of his autism, you know, this is how he reacts. It's not anything personal. It's just you are a person. What one thing I can think of, and I hope this is okay to share, but one thing I had a friend come over to our house one time from my freshman year, I went to um, college at the University of Southern Mississippi. And so I was away. I didn't have a vehicle my freshman year, but my roommate, she played soccer there and she lived in Gainesville, Florida. And so when we came home for the winter break, we had stopped at my house in Georgia for her to drop me off. And Jordan had never met her before. But this was a new friend of mine. And when he gets really nervous, he used to, he doesn't do this anymore. It's just seeing him mature as well. It's funny because he doesn't do this anymore. But, you know, five, six years ago, my friend came over. He, she had walked in and I told her who Jordan is and that he has autism. And just, I don't know how he's going to react, but it could be anything. So just be prepared. It's going to be a surprise for both of us. And <laughs> she walked in and he was just flicking her off. Uh. And so that used to be a my mom mentioned like him flicking the bird was like the biggest thing is him for a kid that he would just do that when he would get stressed or feel anxious. Like he didn't have any words to communicate how he was feeling. And so we later had to tell him like, Jordan, you you know, you can't do that stuff and told him repeatedly over the years. But I remember just Alicia being like, it's totally fine. Uh, she's like, it's okay. You know, I don't care if that's him. He'll get to like me. And she had actually stayed up here for about three days and toward the third day he was actually like saying hello and at least addressing that he was there but I think it's just one of those things that I'm sure certain parents with autism experience in their children is just that when they have either someone come into their routine that's not normally a part of their routine or Mm -hmm. have to be put in certain situations it's just like a social anxiety almost that they can't communicate so it may be just a a hand motion or maybe just actions that they do because they can't necessarily communicate that so yeah it's it's been a just a long road but it's I'm sure like my mom said it's just been really really good for us over the last few years especially with me being an adult and not just instigating him and doing things to like pick on him or annoy him like when I was young I would be that annoying little sister that wanted to annoy her brother (laughs) and I think like that caused him maybe when he was younger to have some like resentment for me but now in this older you know adult relationship that we have even when my parents go out of town and my boyfriend and I are staying at the house or most recently I took just Jordan to Florida I heard um, about that so we had to go through the Atlanta airport and we did all that by ourselves. and it's like we have this brother sister connection where I could feel in him that it was like this is cool. Like my sister's taken me on an airplane and like we're driving together and we talked a little bit on the ride there. And so we're starting to open up those just normal conversations that brothers and sisters have like now at 25 and 27. So it's very interesting. Gosh, I mean, just 
I know probably a lot of parents listening are like, oh my gosh, if my kids could travel together, like alone without me, I don't, I can't even fathom what that would be like with Kendall and Skylar. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll happen. I don't know when they get older, but, um, so were you nervous about that at all? Cause I know it was his, it was his first flight, right? It was his first one. We had been on a flight. We were like three years old. So, and what's funny, I'm sure maybe some parents can uh, relate if their child has very good memory because insane. And we were walking through the Atlanta airport and the trailers that you get on from the gate to actually get onto the airplane. He was pointing at them and he's like, oh, are those the same ones? Like we rode on in Indiana before. And I'm like, I can barely remember stuff from elementary school, like prior, let alone him remembering the airport from when he was three years old. So that was really cool. Um, I was, I wasn't nervous. I mean, it was just with Jordan specifically, he's just slow. He's a very slow walker. So my (laughs) only fear was, okay, we have to be there like three hours ahead of time. If it normally takes me like an hour and a half to two hours to get situated. Like I really just have to be on time with him, which was actually an hour and a half early um, just to make sure that he could get through the airport easily. And I, it, it was actually as more smoothly than I even prayed about because I, I, I thought about like, okay, what all could kind of go wrong. And I'm like, really just missing our flight. That's the only thing that could go wrong. Um, but nothing did. Luckily, we flew Delta. So if you've ever been through the Atlanta airport, we didn't yes. have to go on the the um, train that takes you to your gate or walk down that way. And it was funny because that was one of the things he was looking forward to riding that train. Yeah. Well, we didn't um, we didn't check our bags or do anything. So whenever we got there, we were able to just go straight to that Delta gate and then not have to ride it. But I did take him on the way back. We ended up having to check our bags on the back. So luckily he did get to go on the train and we'll remember that for his whole life. But I wasn't nervous. He he did great. I was glad that I could do it for my mom too. Yeah. Um, What a cool bonding between the two of you guys too. I mean, just like you said, he'll remember that forever and I'm sure you will too. What a, what a cool experience. Yeah. So is he, has he always been, has Jordan always been, um, um, moderately verbal or like, is that something that's grown as he's aged his, his ability to communicate more clearly, like what he's wanting or what he's needing or thinking? Um, or is that something that was never really an issue for him? So that has grown, his communication has grown tremendously. Okay. In these last three to five years, I would say he's always been verbal, but he stutters. Um, So he's has been attending not anymore, but when he was really young, he would go to speech therapy Mm -hmm. and do a lot of that. But what my mom has discovered actually within the last year, probably is that he communicates the most clearly and gets his point across whenever he is not pressured to speak. So sometimes when we have like big gatherings or people come over, we kind of tell them like, don't expect to get a full conversation. Sometimes you just have to let people know that that aren't around him or aren't around people with autism if they are moderate to more nonverbal because it can be taken off as rude if people like someone's there and you don't say hi, but he'll Mm -hmm. always say, Hey, it's just that conversation piece. Whenever you, if you try to ask him questions or 
try to engage too much. It's like he'll pause and the wheels are turning and he just can't get the words out as, as the wheels are turning so fast in his head that he can't communicate it clearly. He stutters very badly that it's like my mom and I understand him the most, but when he wants to speak to you, which in the last year to three years, he has really opened up to the point where he will engage in a conversation with someone else. Like he'll start the conversation, which up until probably a year to three years ago, he never talked unless you talked to him first. Um, so him being in charge of what he wants to say and what he wants to talk about, that's when he stutters the least. And you can just, he can make a whole statement and you kind of understand what he's trying to get across when he is not pressured, but he feels like he is the one that's really driving the conversation. And what a breakthrough. That's so awesome. I mean, I've heard that from it's so huge. many parents that have older twenties to thirties um, and beyond. They've said there is something about the twenties, the mid twenties, especially that there's just a, a flip, a switch that's flipped or a maturity, or a, I don't know what it is, but they said, you know, just obviously we're never stagnant. Our kids are always learning and growing and developing at their own time. But if something about those adult years that they just kind of very quickly change their behaviors, kind of stop some of the behaviors that they always did. Again, I don't know if they mature out of it or if they just kind of get tired of doing it or have more control over their body at that point. I I don't know. Well, and I think it is a maturity thing and I'm still learning and trying to learn as much as I can for my mom too but even with him like flicking flicking the bird like he (laughs) used to do that all the time as just a reaction Mm -hmm. and he has not done that like in the past three to five years like just not at all so it it is really just like a switch that flips and I think you know it's almost like for them they understand growing up or becoming an adult differently but now that we are getting older and having some of those conversations like life conversations about being adults together and being openly communicative about it that he I think he understands it's just hard to understand to the extent that he understands you know like Mm -hmm. he understands life it's just to what you know context is he taking everything in compared to me that's Mm -hmm. where it's hardest for me because especially with him emotionally sometimes I just think like you know does he take it the same way or did he take all of that in the same way as me or is it slightly different or does he, you know, feel these things as much as I feel them? That's the, the one thing that will be interesting to see, like in the next three to five years, like if him emotionally, he can connect more and Mm -hmm. talk about it more with me. Now, um, I don't know. I don't presume to, uh, think that you and your mom have discussed like the future with him. I get asked this question all the time about, you know, because my kids are older than a lot of parents who reach out to me. um, If I've had the discussion about the future with Kendall and if she's, um, you know, the executor of his trust after me and things like that. And I don't know that there's a perfect time or age to ever talk about those things. I think my goal has always been to take care of the future for him without her aside from her visiting him and him being somewhere close to where she is. If he's living in a, in a facility or something, um, 
or in a host home or whatever it is that she's close enough nearby. And also my niece, just making sure that family and people are constantly checking in on him and making sure everything is well. I just don't want her to feel like it's her job to take over where I leave off and have him live with her and, you know, her and her partner, whoever, you know, in the future. And since you have a boyfriend and I'm sure you guys have, well, like you said, you've spent time at your house, what kind of watching him or just kind of being there for him when um, you need to be. So is that a conversation that you guys have had? And if you have, is that something that you feel necessary to bring up to someone that you date? You know, when you talk about your brother, I just, I don't know how that works really. So I will say my mom has just recently had this conversation with me probably in the last six months. Mm -hmm. She did explore going to a facility and did look at that. And I will just say as a back note, we live in Georgia and Mm -hmm. the accommodations that the state of Georgia provides for kids with special needs and adults for special needs is not like many other states. And so that was not the biggest... many states have good accommodations, sadly. Yeah. So and that alone. was the biggest thing. That yeah. was the biggest thing that I didn't even know until she really explained it to me when we made the move to Georgia that like Jordan, he is in a day program. So he goes to a facility and he is there with a ton of other adults with special needs. And it's not just autism. It, the special needs do range, but from Monday through Friday, he is able to go from eight to three and they teach him kind of life skills and mm-hmm. he's able to go out into the community and go do things. And so he can't get that in any other state. So when she had this conversation with me and went to the facility, she sat me down and she was like, that's just, it's really hard for me. Like it's hard for me as much as, you know, I want to let go and maybe let him try to be somewhere. She's like, And it's a hard thing that I, you know, she will have to figure out what's best for her as as a mom to to do. But I pretty much told her, she said, you know, I just feel like he can't get any the he can't get care as good as I can give him anywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's it's one of those where I told her, well, hey, hey, you know, then he's staying here, like, and he will stay here with you and through forever. And then one day you know, it's always hard to talk about that. But one day when, when they are no longer there, then I will make sure that he's in that house and he has someone that's there taking care of him. And that's what it will be. Because if, you know, I don't want it to seem like if she didn't want him to be somewhere, then it's not like when things end, I'm just going to put him somewhere. I think it's really, she knows him best. And if she wants him to be in the house and I told her then I can never leave the state of Georgia and that, (laughs) is a conversation I have with Dalton that he's a part of me he's a part of our family. And so whatever that looks like, I mean, I can assume as much as, you know, I can, but we really won't know until that part of our life kind of unfolds. But I think it's just a matter of having the conversation because until you have it, I don't think you'll know how the other child will react. And I think I was very comforting for my mom because it was, never a burden. I mean, I just always assumed like until before she had this conversation that he's going to obviously end up being with me one day. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I think I comforted her in knowing that, Hey, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. And I'll take care of him. Like, it's not, 
he he's a part of us. So that's my responsibility as his sister. And just like if two normal people, you know, something went wrong, typically you lean on family to do those things or to be able to provide or take care of your family. And if you need, you know, people that you have to stay with, you would do it. So it's never different. And in my situation, at least, um, I told her, Hey, whatever you want, that's what I'm going to do. And he's with me forever. So we'll, we'll be here together for the long run. And that's, I think what family is. So such a beautiful, I mean, you don't have to Mm -hmm. take that stance. I mean, there are probably plenty of people and it's okay that are like, Mm -hmm. I can't, I I can't do this. I've seen what you've done, mom, your entire, you know, life with, um, raising my brother. And I, um, I can't, I don't, I don't think that I can do it. And I'm just, you know, I will do whatever you need me to do on the financial side, like oversee the finances and make sure that you know the money is being spent properly and all of that. But I I don't want to do day-to-day living care and that's okay. So I just am always curious just what, and I'm sure that changes with age too. Um, you know, if I ask my daughter that question right now at 18, she'd probably be like, heck no, he is not right. living with me. <laughs> but give her, maybe give her when she's stuff. 25 or 30, she'll be like, of course. I mean, I always right. to say that I was just joking with you, mom. Of course he would right. live with me. So I just wondered kind of what you thought about that. Um, yeah. So, you know, we, we've talked about a couple of things um, about Jordan that are pretty funny and uniquely him, but, um, what are the things that you just appreciate and love so much about him? I mean, personally, I love all of, all of the people that I know on the spectrum and they're, they're every day seems to be their best day. Like they just don't have hate in their heart and they don't like, you know what I mean? They just don't have a negative bone in their body. They love everything and everyone. So what, what do you love and appreciate about Jordan? I, the one thing I will say that I've noticed the most in my adult years is I've always loved this about him, but more so now is that he is so uniquely unapologetically him. He is aware that he has autism and we have those conversations where, you know, things for you are different because you have autism. And so he knows, he knows he is different, but in a way that I don't think he feels ashamed. I honestly don't think he thinks about it at all. He most recently, my mom has gotten him to start smiling in pictures when we take pictures because Jordan was always non-social, um, a lot of social anxiety around things. And so he didn't never like to take pictures and probably within the past year to two years, my mom has really like started taking pictures of him and like showing him like, Hey dude, look like you're handsome. Like look at when you smile versus when you don't look at the difference. And since she kind of showed him those pictures of himself, I think it was something that just kind of snapped in his brain. And now it's like, even when we went to Florida, like we take pictures all the time and he smiles. And when he wears, my mom always gets him these funny shirts that have like, just random sayings on them that make him laugh. And when he puts on his shirt and he smiles in a picture, like seeing him kind of be just happy with himself and his life, like he is just him and he knows his situation. But I mean, I'm like, he lives the best life you could possibly live. If you really think about it, I mean, he lives in a great house, like doesn't really have to work. Does he doesn't have no chores that, that you have? Yeah. Like that we have as adults. And so mm-hmm. 
he is just in his, his living his best life. And I think that's something that like my mom and Dave and Dal and my boyfriend and like some of our close friends and family just understand that, Hey, he is who he is and he's going to be, you know, who he is forever. And you just have to love him for it. Um, that there's just times when maybe it's going to be a little rough, but we'll get past it and just learn from it too. Like that's, what's really cool about having Jordan as a sibling is that I'm just always learning because especially when I go out, you know, and I'm traveling or other places, I see other families with either a child or an adult with autism and just having that empathy for other families too. And just not making them feel like I'm judging or, or if I can be kind in any way to another family, I understand that because I understand what it feels like when we, when we have people that are kind to us and understanding that we have, you know, a family member with autism. So I say it all the time, but I mean, you're living proof of it. I just, I feel like as hard as it is sometimes, uh, probably a lot of the times to be a sibling with autism in your family and you have to make sacrifices a lot, um, you know, divide and conquer parents. And for all of the things that you guys go through, you really are such special people in the world there. I I'm so glad that there are so many autism siblings for as maybe as crazy as that sounds to say, because you guys are empathetic and you are just so thoughtful of other people and kind. And it's hard anymore to find people that are genuinely um, putting themselves in someone else's shoes and seeing situations like a family in Target with the child that's having a meltdown or a young adult that's having a meltdown. And instead of judging or, you know, like assuming the parents are bad parents, you guys can at least offer some insight to the people around you. So the more you're educating your friends and your boyfriend and just people that don't live this life and haven't lived this life, we just need so much more of that because it, it really provides an education for right. the world, um, with you guys, you know, living in it. <laughs> so it's, it's hard, but I, I think you take away so much more from your childhood than, you know, you're mature beyond your years for sure. Right. So I don't know if it feels that way, but <laughs> just, well, no, it does Lori. Cause I, I, I was going to say too, I actually just, um, this last weekend I was in a wedding for one of my good friends from college and the two girls that did our hair and makeup, I was just sitting there getting to know them. And for somehow the me having a brother with autism came up and they had started asking me a couple of questions. And I think the hardest thing, and my mom sees this a lot with not your average autism mom, but she is dealing with parents where it's like, they have a two to three to four to five year old. And mm -hmm some of the signs may be there, but it's like, it's, that's the hardest thing for parents to overcome is to, to go get the second opinion or the third opinion or take them to an autism specialist and being able to get over that step. And this weekend, when I was there, I was able to have the conversation with these two girls that have a close friend that has two young kids. And she thinks that one of them may be on the spectrum in some way. And I was able to give them just advice that I had learned through my mom over the years and especially learn with Jordan, even as a kid. And you know, even, and I don't know, maybe they didn't take that to their friend, but I'm hoping that they did. And even 
just take, like I gave them my mom's business card, just if you need a community too, because it's really just having a community of people that aren't ashamed to, to talk about it. But mm-hmm. unless you know someone or have someone in your family, you're not going to educate yourself on something if there's no need to. So right. I think that's where we have to be more patient with people that don't have someone with autism that they know, because it is like an educational aspect of life where they have to, to be educated and learn. And like with Jordan, we're constantly learning. So all these you know, hills that we've climbed over the years and where we've gotten just in the past three years, like I'm looking forward to what it will be 10 years from now and being able to just share that like anytime I have the opportunity now to share about Jordan and be a voice or reason or help for anyone I try to take um, the opportunity to do so just because I I want it to be more normalized and talked about and Mm -hmm. not like hush hush like something's wrong with them it's like no this is common and it's it's a lot more common now than it was even you know 20 years ago so Mm -hmm. it's just a matter of educating all people and not getting mad when maybe some people don't understand or it takes some people a little bit longer of periods of time to to be able to learn because like you said I mean it's not easy it's not as you are raising a normal child or dealing with a normal you know brother to to his sister it, it will get hard at times but now looking back, I'm like, wow, all those hard times, like it all makes sense now. And sometimes I look back and I'm like, and I was the one instigating half the things like he probably should have disliked me when we were kids because I was just being an idiot. But you know, he that's probably where loved I've the learned. engagement, though. I mean, I'm well, sure that's he, how he, he felt engaged with you. Right. So he and that's it. what I think it was too. And and back then I didn't know how to engage in any other way where now as an adult, like I am engaging better than I did as a child. So mm-hmm. it's been an amazing journey. Well, I, oh, I like to ask this question um, uh, to all of the guests too, because as a mom myself and as a parent, um, you know, we just always hope that we're doing right by all of our kids, you know, our neurotypical kids, if we have them um, and our child on the spectrum. And we, I, I know I speak for a lot of people listening that we worry so much that the amount of attention and time that is required from our child on the spectrum, that we just worry that our neurotypical children, like my daughter and like you, um, feel neglected at times or not purpose. You know, that we're not purposely doing that, but our, you know, I'm sure there are times throughout your life that you were like, man, I just wish that we could just, you know, go as a family to this restaurant or go just do something. And we didn't have autism always kind of at the forefront of everything. So I kind of wondered if you ever had those feelings and also if you could say anything at all about your mom and her parenting and how she managed um, that aspect of, of raising you both and being there for both of you. Cause I know she's an incredible person, but I'm sure she'd love to hear your perspective on her parenting <laughs> throughout all this yeah, time. No, absolutely. I think, I think when I was younger, because I was so accumulated with playing sports and Mm -hmm. especially softball, team sport. And so I never felt neglected. I think it was just I always kept myself very busy. So it was never like I had um, resentment or felt like I was being neglected from my mom. I honestly look back and think 
from a young age, I believed that she was the strongest woman that I knew in my life because even looking back, like how we talked about earlier, where if you were to ask your, your daughter now, you know, how she would feel about maybe doing things long-term, if she would have asked me, like, I probably would have been like, I don't know, I can't handle this. And, you, you know, being younger, you don't understand, but I looked at her from a young age as just being the strongest person I know, because even when we did go through some tough times with Jordan, I, you know, tried to step in and just be like, I want to make sure she's okay and she's protected because when you're younger, you don't always realize what this could be doing to your mom, like just for her mental health too. Mm -hmm. And that's something like now as an adult, I understand a lot more where I didn't back then. And luckily she, her and I didn't really discuss that much when I was younger, but now looking back, I know that she went through a lot of highs and lows just about herself. And is she doing enough and being a great parent when, and when we have those conversations now, I look back and I tell her, I'm like, you know, I know you always felt like you might not have been doing the right things for us, but I always just looked at you as the strongest person in my life that it's only like that, that feeling is only just grown over the years as an adult, because I've watched her take care of him from afar, you know, and do you have to do pretty much everything from a, from a young age of, you know, to, to now and forever. And so I think, um, sometimes I know, and, and like I said, I was in sports, so it may be different. The other sibling isn't in sports and there is a lot of that free time, but I think I just took it as, my mom is the strongest person I know for being able to raise Jordan and do the things even on the hard days that she, she was just always like, I put her on a pedestal for my whole life. So I didn't need her. Yeah. It's like, I almost didn't need her to give me that attention or that affection at a young age because I knew she was doing the best that she could. And her best was, you know, probably a lot better than what it could have been, you know? And, even though with, with what she's doing now, there are times when I'm like, she had no help. She had no one to turn to. I wish I could have been more understanding from a young age, but I, I was so busy in other things that I never cared to learn until recently. And so that's where looking back, I wish I could have been more of a support system for her back then. But I know that she also wanted to keep it together as much as she could for me because she mm-hmm. didn't, you know, she didn't want me to to think that she was struggling or because she wanted me to just be happy and continue living my life. And, and she was really good at it. So I will hold her on that pedestal for forever Aww. and all parents of, of someone with autism. Like it's not just her, it's, it's thousands and millions of people out there that have to have to go through this. And I think, you know, just, being able to be to raise someone or being a caregiver it doesn't even necessarily have to be a parent I think you just have a heart that not everyone will ever understand and just being able to support them in any way and like my mom and I have conversations now where we are so much closer now too because we can have these deep conversations that we couldn't have back when I was in high school and kind of doing things on my own and didn't really, I didn't really care about learning about it. And that's where sometimes I wish maybe she would have pried a little bit more and like tried to sit me down. But I think God's plan for me was to just mature as a young woman, like 
in my late college years that it probably wouldn't have been as good as it was if she would have talked to me about that back then. So it's, it's I, I think been, it's more organic and like, I would prefer my daughter coming to me too. Like it's, you right. know, I know you've said in, in, in your words were, you know, I, I wished I would have cared more. We don't want you to like, I, we want you to live your life and to do your thing and never ever feel guilty about that. And I'm sure you don't, but I think just now that you proactively want to talk to your mom about these things means the world to her that you want to discuss it. Um, but I don't think she would have wanted to talk to you about it when you were, you know, living your best life. Cause you only yeah. go through I agree. high school and sports and all of those things once. And, um, right. you know, we would never want to rob you of any of those experiences and memories, um, worrying about your brother. We got it. You know, it's like, right. we got it, but it's so nice to have like a, an adult conversation, an adult relationship with our kids later. I mean, that's, right. that's the blessing out of the whole thing. <laughs> Well, and I always say, I'm like, moms are the heroes of the world in general, but moms raising a kid with autism, they beat that, in my opinion, just because it's it's so much more, you know? It's a tough job, but, you know, I, I... You've been so great, and I have appreciated talking to you so much, and um, it just... I hope, again, people listening, like, it just gives me more... um just uh, hope and purpose and that I'm doing everything right. I mean, I feel like we, again, question everything with our parenting decisions, but I, just knowing how beautifully you've turned out <laughs> and, you, and you're so mature and so many of the things that you've said are the things that I hope that my own daughter takes away from living in this house and her experiences with her brother. And I'm sure many of the siblings feel the same way growing up with their brother or sister. Um, so I, I just appreciate you being candid and sharing all of that because it makes parents like me feel good that we're hopefully doing things right. <laughs> because... Absolutely. And I think it's just important to remember, you know, you may not always feel like you're doing the right thing, but just from what I've gathered, just talking with you, the more you can love and, and be there for both of your kids, like it will unfold because we didn't even get into like, I was kind of a bad child as well. I was doing things when I was younger and I was giving my mom so much crap as a high school teenager that it's like, I didn't really I look back and I'm like, I put so much additional stress on that woman, like considering she was raising Jordan as well. Like we, it will all come together and you just keep doing what you're doing. Cause even having me on and what you do, you are helping give more hope and, and kindness in the world for kids with autism and family members with autism. So I'm just really glad you gave me the opportunity to come share my, my story with you and your listeners. Aww, well, thank you. We may have to get more, more into uh, your rebellious years because my yeah. uh, uh, understanding is that usually our kids that are neurotypical try to be perfect in every way. I feel like that's the path my daughter went on because she didn't want me to worry about her because I have so much to worry about with her brother. Um, but that's interesting that you yeah. <laughs> just kind of like did your own thing and I rebelled say, a little yeah, bit. You're lucky because I would, I mean, I got into some trouble and I'm not crazy, not arrested or anything, but just stupid <laughs> high school teenager trouble. And I'm like, mom, I'm so sorry. Now we still joke about some of the things. Cause I'm like, I'm so sorry that I was putting any additional stress on your already insanely stressful life, but it all worked out. I'm like, God has a plan for for all of us. And yes. you know, some people's paths are different from, from others, but 
like I said, just your daughter, she will will realize this one day and whether it's when she's hopefully maybe a little younger than me. But for me, it took till probably this last year really to truly, you know, get some of those adult relationships with Jordan and having those tough conversations with my mom um, about autism. So keep, keep your hope and faith because she'll, she'll come there one day. I will. I definitely will. And I'll just keep bugging her until she talks to me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Maddie. You have been awesome. And um, your mom has so much to be proud of, of both of her kids. So um, I can see why she is. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you so much, Lori. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.